Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and this morning we want to cover a topic that, quite frankly, can cause confusion, and in causing confusion can cause uncertainty and doubt and fear and a whole host of other consequences. And so we want to look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 through 32. If you thought last week that I had just forgotten that these verses were here, I promise you I didn't. I felt like they deserved their own message so that we could take the time needed to unpack and understand what Jesus says. But uh, I want to begin by, by telling you about the first time that I read these verses. I remember um, when I was in college, I was an atheist. I was not a Christian. Um, God radically changed my life, though, as a sophomore in college. Uh, I came to faith in Christ and trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and for salvation and began walking with Him. And very quickly, uh, the Lord began to point out things in my life. Some of them were very big things that I knew needed to stop instantly, and God helped me with that. But then there are also things that, that I struggled with and and as a new believer, you, you go through those periods where you think, if I was really a Christian, wouldn't I just stop doing these things? I mean, it seems pretty clear that I would just stop, and sometimes it doesn't quite work that way. But I, I began to realize that, I, that I, I was going through this process of trying to walk in holiness. Uh, but, but if I'm being honest, it's more like crawling in holiness, not walking in holiness. But, you know, I'd sin, I'd feel guilty, I'd feel shame. I'd confess my sin. I'd ask the Lord to forgive me. But I struggled to feel forgiven. And I struggled to really believe that I was forgiven. I mean, I know what, what I was told, and, and I believed it in one sense, but trusting that I was forgiven uh, was something that I wrestled with. So you can imagine, really, my horror, my surprise, and my, my fear when I came across a passage like the one we want to read this morning, which talks about an unforgivable sin. A sin which Jesus says will not be forgiven by God. And so immediately I began thinking, oh my goodness, what is this? Because as I read it, I thought, have I done this in the past? I was, I was not a very uh, calm unbeliever, if we could put it that way. Uh, I, I was very antagonistic towards God and to, towards the things of God. So I read about this unforgivable sin and, and I kind of go through a crisis of belief not long after becoming a Christian. So when we look in Matthew chapter 12, I just want to read the, the verses very quickly. It says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 31, starting there, Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven of every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So you might not know this, or it's something that maybe you forgot about, you haven't been in Matthew, but there is an unforgivable sin. And immediately we might say, really? There is? And, and have I committed it? Is it something that I need to, to, to worry about? That's what I felt coming out of my own rebellious past. What... what I, I, I was nervous to read this, that there is an unpardonable and unforgivable sin. And so when we understand that there is an unforgivable sin, the next question 
Uh, or this is a question in a text that really causes concern for new believers and old believers. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been a believer for a long time and, and you're worried, am I deceived in trusting that I'm, that I'm saved? Did I, did I commit that sin at some point in my past when I was a teenager? And all the time, God's just letting me be deceived. Or maybe you're a new Christian or a young Christian and you wonder, did I ever do this? Am I, am I lost forever? Have I committed this sin? Uh, some of you, if you're being honest, you know that you've trusted Christ, and yet, because you don't know what this text means, there's an anxiety in your heart, and you're not quite sure. Well, that's what I want to address um, this morning. You might think, wait a minute, I've always heard preachers say that all my sins are forgiven by trusting in Christ. Are you saying that, that this particular sin wouldn't? Those are the kinds of questions we want to ask this morning. So this morning, I want us to take a careful stroll through this topic so that we can be crystal clear about what it is, what it is not. And then we also want to understand what it reveals about the person who commits it. So what I want you to notice, first of all, is that this uh, text about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is connected to what came before it. You see the very first word, right? Therefore... And so here Jesus is drawing a conclusion based on what he just said. And we talked about this last week, how the Pharisees attributed the work of the Spirit to the work of Satan. And so he's drawing a conclusion in light of that. So he says, for this reason or because of this, this is what I have to say. And last week we saw Jesus was the Messiah who establishes the, the kingdom by the power of the Spirit, right? You remember that? So in light of that, what does Jesus have to say? And so we need to understand this, this truth that Jesus is talking about in that context. So first, I, so I, I don't have so much a main idea and an outline this morning. I want us to just answer a few questions. And as we answer these questions, it'll help us understand what Jesus is teaching. Okay. First of all, let's answer the question, what is blasphemy? Jesus talks blasphemy of the Spirit. Now, you hear the word blasphemy, and that, you know, that sounds something like that, that comes out of... Uh, the, the, the Spanish Inquisition or the, the Salem Witch Trials, you know, something, that, that's old language you don't really hear anymore, blasphemy. But what is blasphemy? Generally speaking, blasphemy is to say what is untrue. And so in doing so, you're, you're denigrating, you're, you're slandering, you're defiling, you're reviling. And so we, we use that for human beings, but, but when it's applied to God, it takes on this notion of, blasphemy to say that which is not true about God and so it's this saying an untruth or, or essentially lying about the spirit so that's what blasphemy is to say something untrue about something related to God God's character God's work so that's the first question what is blasphemy but then the second question we want to answer is what kinds of blasphemy is Jesus talking about what particular type of blasphemy is Jesus talking about that is forgivable and unforgivable? Well, you notice Jesus mentions different kinds of blasphemy, right? He says every, uh, people will be forgiven of every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Look at verse 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. So you could blaspheme the Father, you could blaspheme the Son, you could blaspheme a whole host of things. There are different kinds of blasphemy, but the specific kind that Jesus is talking about is blasphemy of the Spirit. So here this is instructive for us because Jesus says, you could blaspheme me and you'll still be forgiven. 
And, and just think about that. To hear that from the Savior's mouth should, should cause us and enable us to uh, rest a little bit if we've trusted in Christ. And you think, well, I remember in my previous life where I was so rebellious to Christ and I denied Christ and I, I made fun of Jesus and I, and I called believers, you know, ignorant or, or idiotic for believing in such a thing. But, but Jesus says that can be forgiven, so the unforgivable sin is not just to deny Christ. It's not just to say something untrue about Christ. If you denied Christ before your salvation, that doesn't mean that you committed an unpardonable sin. Okay? Uh, if at some point in your most rebellious days, even if you said, and I'm thinking of my own life, if you said the most reviling, hateful thing about Christ, that's not blasphemy of the Spirit, which is not forgiven. And so the good news is that the work of Christ on his death and his resurrection, his death on the cross, covers your rebellion in every blasphemous word you spoke about Christ. So if that's what's causing you to, to be anxious when you read this passage, be comforted in knowing that blasphemy against Christ can be forgiven. So the first type of blasphemy really that we see is the forgivable kind. But there's another kind that is unforgivable. So what is blasphemy of the Spirit? It is to say something untrue. That's blasphemy. And then it is something that is unforgivable. So there's an unforgivable kind of blasphemy. So the next two questions we want to ask are, what is the unforgivable kind? So we know what blasphemy is. There's forgivable and unforgivable. But what type is unforgivable? Right? So we want to answer, what is the unforgivable kind? And then we want to ask, what makes it unforgivable? So those are the next two questions we want to answer. So the third question is, what is the unforgivable kind of blasphemy? What's the unforgivable sin? And if you notice, I want you to notice, Jesus does not say blasphemy itself is the unforgivable sin. So not just blasphemy against Christ, but blasphemy in general. If you've ever said anything untrue about God, that does not mean you, can, that does not mean that you can't be forgiven. I want to get all my negatives right. Okay, Jesus says it's a particular kind of blasphemy. And what is that particular kind? It's blasphemy against the Spirit. Verse 31. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. So it is blasphemy against the Spirit. And he really reiterates it twice, doesn't he? He says blasphemy against the Spirit in verse 31. And then whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit... In verse 32. So Jesus says it will not be forgiven. This blasphemy against the Spirit. So if we, if we follow the logic that we've had so far. To, to blaspheme is to denigrate, to slander, to revile against the Spirit. Or to speak untrue of the Spirit. This is the unforgivable sin. Blasphemy against the Spirit. But even here we need to press in a little further because... What does that mean? What does it look like to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Is it, is it to look at something that happens and simply say, well, I don't know if that's really the Spirit working, or is it something else? And so I think if we're going to talk about this, we want to leave here absolutely clear, right? Don't you want to leave here absolutely certain you know what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is? So what I want us to do is we want to answer this question, what makes 
this the unforgivable sin? Why is this the unforgivable sin? I want to give you three characteristics that make this the unforgivable sin. And I think this will help us know what the unforgivable sin is and what it is not. Okay, so number one, the first characteristic of this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is slander of the nature of the Spirit's work. The first characteristic of this blasphemy against the Spirit, it is slander of the nature of the Spirit's work. This blasphemy against the Spirit is directed not so much against His person, it's not so much to deny that, that he is a spiritual being. It's not against his person so much as, you know, like denying his deity or his personality. But it's to speak evil and speak against his operation to manifest the grace of Christ. In other words, it's to defame and slander the holy part of his name, Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? The, the issue is the nature of the Spirit's work. Is he operating as a Holy Spirit? And that's what we see in the context, right? Remember, the Spirit works and the Pharisees say he doesn't do this with the help of the Holy Spirit or a Holy Spirit, but with an unholy spirit, with a demonic spirit. So the Pharisees have no problem with what Jesus is doing being from a spirit. They, they have no problem with that, right? It's when you start saying it's the Holy Spirit. And then to attribute that holy power, that holy work to Satan, to demonic forces, that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is to defame and slander His holiness. And the holiness that the Spirit displays in His operation. So here's... here's what that means in order to deny that the Holy Spirit is at work or to assign that this is a demonic spirit there's also whether the really whether the heart realizes it or not there is an acknowledgement that this is the work of God so what, here's here's what I want you to understand the blasphemy against the spirit acknowledges that God is at work it sees the spirit of God at work and maybe even understands completely that this is the Spirit of God at work. But the heart of the sinner is so hardened and so resistant that it knows this truth, hardens itself, and then attributes that work to Satan. That's what the blasphemy of the Spirit looks like when it slanders the nature of the Spirit's work. It's to see it for what it really is, but to be so hard in their rebellion that you instinctively almost still attribute that to the work of evil. One author puts it this way. He says, blasphemy against the Spirit takes place when an unrepentant sinner so hardens himself against Christ and the Spirit that he regards God's grace as demonically evil. So you see, this is a different category than just we're sinners in rebellion, that, that we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. This is, this is a different level. So it's not necessarily, this blasphemy against the Spirit, is not necessarily even just an insult uh, a reference to an insult to the Spirit's dignity or divinity. He says, because notice Jesus says, you can slander me, my, that, I, that I am who I am. You can, you can say untrue things about me. 
But even those are forgiven. Blasphemy against Christ can be forgiven. And so th- there, is a, there is a different level here at work. It's not just grieving the Spirit. It's not just disobeying the Spirit. That's not the unforgivable sin. And so you should not despair of your salvation if you've ever spoken evil about Christ or, or the Spirit in your former days. You think about Paul, right? Paul says he was a blasphemer, but God had mercy on him. Jesus saved Paul, a blasphemer, and he can save you. And if you're a believer, has saved you too. So the first characteristic is it's a slander of the Spirit's nature, the nature of his work. But there's a second characteristic. It is an attack on the purpose of the Spirit's work. So not only do you attack how the Spirit does it, but you attack what the Spirit is doing. And what is the purpose of the Spirit's work? It is to make known the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The Spirit establishes the kingdom. It declares and institutes through powerful word and deed in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. So the Spirit declares and demonstrates the grace of God in Christ. That's the purpose of what the Spirit is doing. And then blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to look at that, to see that, and to point an accusing finger and to say that is the work of a demon. That somehow a demon is establishing the work of Satan. One writer puts it this way, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit is a reaction against the Spirit's powerful work to make known God's grace in Christ. And in this blaspheming, an unconverted sinner wholeheartedly condemns Christ and the Spirit as if they were demonically evil. It's a different category. It's a different level. So the Spirit works to establish the kingdom, but to establish that work and the purpose of that work to Satan and establishing Satan's kingdom, that is essentially to call good evil and evil good. So the the second characteristic is that this blasphemy against the Spirit attacks the purpose of the Spirit's work. To be so hardened in your heart that you look at what the Spirit is doing in establishing the kingdom of Christ and say, that is Satan. But there's a third characteristic. Blasphemy against the Spirit. It is the evidence of a permanently hardened heart. It's an attack against the nature of the Spirit's work. It's an attack on the purpose of the Spirit's work. But then the third characteristic is, it is evidence of a permanently hardened heart. So what I want you to see is that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not a way to refer generally to sin or rebellion. Okay? It is not to say that if you at any point felt like the Holy Spirit was calling you to do something and you did not follow through, that you blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Or that if you lived a wild and crazy life and you can't remember all the things you said, maybe you don't remember all those nights and you don't remember the things you said on all those nights, those nights are a blur and you wonder, on one of those nights did I speak the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? We're not, we're not talking about that kind of rebellion and that kind of general sinfulness. This blasphemy against the Spirit is, is deeper. It is more serious. So sometimes people view blasphemy of the Spirit as when we say or 
we, we sin or we disobey the Spirit's leading, but that's not the case. And we know that's not the case because if that was the case, none of us would be saved, right? If sin in general and disobedience in general were blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, none of us would have any hope. The issue is it's a difference of degree. It's a difference between sin and rebellion in general terms and the type of sin and rebellion that takes place in a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. One writer puts it this way, By calling the highest good, that is, God's grace in Christ by the Spirit, the deepest evil, Satan's work, these blasphemers permanently harden their hearts to the salvation offered in the gospel. It is to see and to know that a work of God in the Spirit for the kingdom of Christ is taking place. To see that, to know that, and so harden your heart that your only resort, instead of bowing the knee, instead of surrendering, your only resort is to attribute that work to evil. And you permanently harden your heart. And that's why Jesus says it's un. Forgivable. There's a point of no return. It is an extremely serious sin and it reveals a totally hard heart. One writer from the 16th, 17th century by the name of uh, Wilhelmus I. Brockel. That's a, good, that's a good child's name, by the way. I know we got families that are still, you know, you guys are still having children. Wilhelmus a great name just saying but it, it but it's such a serious sin and it is such a, a a very serious matter that that he points out and i think he's right that this is not a sin that is commonly committed by unconverted people it's of an extraordinary nature and thus infrequently committed and so odds are if you're worrying about it this morning the odds are you probably didn't but it does happen. And so we say, okay, so what makes it such a heinous sin? If it's both rare and it's evidence of a, a permanently hardened heart, what makes it so unforgivable to, to attribute that work? Well, first of all, the one who commits this sin knows and is convicted that what he opposes was of God and the truth. In other words, he comes face to face with God's work and he knows it's by God, and he knows it's of God, but opposes it nevertheless. As someone has summarized, it is an extreme form of resisting the Spirit. It's severely aggravated by sinning against one's own knowledge and conviction and by treating God's mercy as if it were Satan's malice. So this blasphemy of the Spirit, the sinner, sees all the works of God by the Spirit and nevertheless hardens their heart to the point of saying that the work of the Spirit was the work of Satan. This is, it's the chief blindness of blindness. And not only, to, not only do, do sinners commit this sin, but, but what happens, and the reason it's unforgivable, is there is an irreversible absence of remorse and a refusal to repent. So this sin so permanently hardens the heart. So what then is the blasphemy against the Spirit? We, we've kind of walked through... If we can zoom out a little bit, what can we say? If we can summarize what we've seen this morning, I think we could say this. Blasphemy against the Spirit is the slander of the Spirit 
caused by a sinner's willful rejection of the nature and purpose of an obvious work of the Spirit to bring glory to Christ and establish the kingdom. That's a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. Blasphemy against the Spirit is the slander of the Spirit caused by a sinner's willful rejection of the nature and purpose of an obvious work of the Spirit to bring glory to Christ and establish the kingdom. So, if this is a good definition, I think we can move on and say, what, what do we do with that? What is, what is the, uh, we might call it the, DA, uh, the, the DTA, the dinner time application, right? The dinner table application. You're sitting around the dinner table talking about it. What does this mean for you? Well, first of all, let's address unbelievers. If you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, I think this text compels us to warn you. You need to be warned that there is a point of no return. There is a point where you reject Jesus so much that you resist the obvious work of the Spirit so much that one day God gives you that which you desire. He turns you over to the hardness of your own Heart. The, the free offer of the gospel will continue to be given to you. We will continue to preach. We will continue to share. We will hope that you come to faith in Christ. But you can become so opposed to the Holy Spirit's testimony to Christ that you will never repent. And that means you will never escape from the fury that is going to fall on God's adversaries. If we could put it this way. You don't have forever. There will come a day where God will give you what you want. If you reject Him your whole life, and your whole life you go saying, I want nothing to do with you. Guess what? When you die, that's exactly what you get. You go to a place called hell, where God's fury and righteous judgment comes upon you forever. So there is a point of no return. And there is a a judgment that is going to come on God's adversaries, which of, as of right now, includes you. It's no small matter to resist the Spirit. What you need more than anything is not to harden your heart, But what you need is the one to whom the Spirit points. The one that the Spirit wants you to know and to see and come to. What you need is Christ. What you need is to be rescued from the sins that you have committed. And the judgment that you deserve. The Bible says that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what you deserve for that is death. You deserve God's holy righteous judgment. But the good news is that Christ came and he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He went to a cross. He took the punishment for the sins. He died in your place and rose again and now offers you a chance to be forgiven. A chance to know him. In the spirit of God, 
might be pricking your heart to come. Stop resisting. Be willing to trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So if you're an unbeliever, this text issues a warning. But if you're a believer, I hope that our time together has provided some clarity about what this sin is and what it's not. But in doing so, I hope it has actually provided you relief. I hope it has provided you relief that, that this sin is a very particular sin that happens for certain reasons and to accomplish certain results. And if you don't see all three of those, if you, haven't, if you think there is that one time where I'm not sure and you don't see all three of those, if you're worried this morning, I want to say a few things. First of all, I think the fact that you're worried should be taken as a good sign. Because remember, we said that there is a hardness and a resistance that if you actually had committed this sin, you would not care that you had committed this sin. So the fact that you, you, you might be a little anxious and you might worry, did, did I ever say something against the Spirit? I think that's a good sign. And so it, it might be that this morning you need to finally acknowledge that that we're not trying to downplay your, your previous life. You may have done some really horrible things. I have done really horrible things. But the grace of God is so much more. And that if I am worried and concerned and if I'm anxious about this blasphemy of the Spirit, what that reveals is a heart that's been changed. A heart that is actually concerned that I may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. But secondly, I want to say this. If you have genuinely... If you have genuinely, not perfectly, not wholeheartedly, if even just the little bit of genuine faith you have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've trusted in Christ alone for salvation, then I want you to rest in the fact that you have not committed the unforgivable sin. There, there is no instance of someone committing the unforgivable sin and them becoming a genuine believer. Because they've so hardened their heart, right? Jesus says it will not be forgiven. And he will not contradict himself. And so if you've trusted in Christ, albeit imperfectly, at some point, then that is an assurance that you have not committed the unforgivable sin. Does that make sense? If you had committed the unforgivable sin, you would not have genuinely placed your faith in Christ. And there's one app more application I want us to make very quickly. We've talked about the blasphemy against the Spirit. And hopefully you're a believer. You're comforted by, by knowing that you haven't committed it. But I'd like for us to consider other areas where, no, we haven't blasphemed the Spirit. But there might be some similarities, some parallels where maybe we see the Spirit of God working and, and we, we aren't willing to say the Spirit is at work there. We know the Spirit is working in us and we resist it. Maybe there's an area in your own life where you haven't blasphemed the Spirit, but you haven't necessarily been obedient to the Spirit either. And maybe you've seen and you know the Spirit is trying to do a work in your life in a certain area. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your pride. Maybe it's with your lust. Maybe with whatever it is and you've been resistant. There might be some 
adjacent parallels. And so I want us to consider those areas where there might be similarities, where the blasphemy against the Spirit has not happened in our own life, but, but there are areas where we are not following the Spirit. There are, there are certain things that believers need to be uh, reminded of and we need to wrestle with. And this one is a serious matter. It's one, I think, that be, hopefully because we've taken the time to study closely, you have a better understanding. But after we've been assured that we haven't committed a sin, it should still cause us to question where in our lives might we be resisting the Spirit? Where might we uh, be openly not allowing the Spirit to have a say in our own life? Whatever that area is, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. This is a chance for you to do business with the Lord. We're going to take a few moments. You respond as the Lord leads. You pray about those areas. If you want to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to share with you. Or maybe you have more questions and something's not clear and you still worry or something. I'd be happy to talk with you about that. Or if you just want to come and, and ask for prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you as well. But let's take a few moments. Let's respond. You respond as the Lord leads. Uh, and then we'll um, uh, close out in prayer. And then we have uh, something uh, that we, else we want to do uh, this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the grace of God in Christ. And we thank you, uh, Lord, that, um, that though we... God, though, though we have many sins, many acts of rebellion, many acts of resistance, God, our hope is not in our own performance, but in Christ. And Lord, for every believer here, God, I pray that you would help them to have a better understanding of this, this very serious issue, but, but not just so that they have a head knowledge, but Lord, that they would have a heart knowledge of, of resting, God, that they can be assured that if, if they have not committed the one unforgivable sin, God, that all their sins are forgiven, no matter how many, God, no matter how vile, no matter how serious, Lord, that there is an assurance for those of us in Christ. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move, Holy Spirit, that you would do what we've talked about in establishing the kingdom and bring glory to Jesus in our own hearts, in our church. And Father, we give over this time of response to you. Holy Spirit, do what it is that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray.